from his studios in New York. It's time for Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora, where sports meets life. Here's your host, Dan Tortora. Welcome back here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on WakeUpCallDT.com, your one-stop sports shop, and on MixLR.com backslash WakeUpCallDT, where you can listen in to the show on both of those avenues. You can also be watching us live, as many of you are, on Facebook right now, Facebook.com backslash LiveNowDT. So thank you so much for that and for being a part of the show. We are in the second hour of the broadcast, so we're live now with Todd Philcox, who is a Syracuse football quarterback alum and, and obviously connected to one of my closest friends, Rob Drummond. So Todd Philcox here with us right now <clears throat> to speak on Syracuse as well as the Jaguars as he lives down in the Jacksonville area and has a business down there. So very much looking forward to speaking with him on the Jacksonville Jaguars and the Syracuse Orange as well as his time at Syracuse and what he's getting from his viewpoint. So with that being said, without further ado, we bring him into the broadcast. He's no stranger to it. We're always happy to have him back. Todd, how you doing today? Hello there, Dan. Doing great. Uh, glad to be on with you and uh, always fun to talk a little Syracuse football. Absolutely. And Todd, first and foremost, just, you know, what what have your takeaways been? You know, they're five games in, they're three and two, they're back on the winning side of things for the first time since being one and oh, after, after they defeated Liberty <coughs> this season to start the season on the road. What's your take on Syracuse five games in at this point? Yeah, I've been able to see a little bit. I actually got up there uh, for the Western Michigan game and, uh, you know, it uh, seems like the, after last year, taking a small step back, and I think they're trying to kind of get a feel for the type of team they are this year and uh, maybe how they can uh, start to emulate a little bit of that success they had last year. Um, you know, I think they got a little bit of a little bit of a kick in the face with that Maryland game, and I wasn't able to see that, uh, fortunately, but seeing some of the numbers and the uh, – trouble they had stopping Maryland running the ball uh, I, think, I think it was a little bit of a surprise probably to everybody including uh, themselves so hopefully they can regroup a bit and uh, start to build up uh, you know, obviously the Clemson Clemson game everybody knew was going to be incredibly difficult Yeah, uh, I think they could have performed a little better there as well but really just uh, missing on a few beats but need to kind of get things ironed out and, uh, hopefully they can start taking some of those steps in the right direction. Yeah, you know, absolutely. And and, and Todd, as, as we look at, you know, this season and kind of where things are at right now, the Clemson game, I, I feel, you know, when we go back and, and we look at that game and, and just what's happened, you know, what happened back, you know, they lost 41-6. to I don't think the score adequately represents what happened in the game. I think Syracuse beat themselves more than they were beaten by Clemson. I don't want to take anything away from Clemson and, and Dabo Sweeney, they're a tremendous team. But the reality of it all is, you know, Syracuse had intercepted the ball on back-to-back possessions, got the ball to the nine, got the ball to the three of Clemson, and didn't come away with points, uh, didn't come away with, you know, a touchdown on either one of those. And that could have been 24-20 at the time with Syracuse just down by four. So, I mean, when you go back and you <clears throat> look at that Clemson game, would you agree 
that Syracuse beat themselves more than Clemson beat them at that time? Yeah, I think to a degree they certainly had opportunities. You know, they uh, were not able to take advantage of them. Um, you know, that's tough. That kind of game what they've been able to do the last couple of years was uh, take advantage of those opportunities and certainly make it a competitive game. You know, this this time uh, they had those opportunities and just really couldn't could not take advantage of them. Couldn't kind of close a the deal there. And uh, fortunately, the team that good if you if you can't. Uh, take advantage of the chances you get to put some points on the board, then they're uh, certainly going to put points on the board on their side. So it was a tough one. Uh, you know, it would have been one of those things if they were able to win it would have certainly been a nice surprise. But uh, I hope that you know, from here they start uh, building and uh, can get some couple big wins and uh, finish the season strong. Yeah, you know, absolutely, and they're stepping into full ACC play at this time, and we know that that's you know that's where they're going to be from here on out. What do you what do you think about you know what the quarterback situation has been? I mean, you played quarterback for Syracuse, obviously, and and you know are part of that you know illustrious history of Syracuse and and the the man under center, Tommy DeVito's there now. He's taken a, a lot of criticism. He is a first-time starter, even though he's a redshirt sophomore. This is the first time he's a starter on the team. Can you can you speak to that? You know, speak to that situation maybe to start there because there's so many layers that I want to peel back with the quarterback position. But the fact of being on a team and stepping in for a minute or two, or stepping in in a game, is a heck of a lot different than being the guy for all 12 games, maybe 13. And so, I mean, I, I've, I've come out to say, you know, this is as much as he's been a quarterback on the team, he's still new to his situation. Can you speak to that at all? Yes, yeah, certainly. I mean, it's a, a building process. And, you know, what I've always said about the quarterback position is, you know, the only way you're going to learn to really play in the game is to get some game time. And uh, while he'd had, you know, a little bit last year and, uh, I had the feeling he would come out and start a little stronger, but uh, you know the reality is that game speed is a lot different than practice speed, and you can practice, you know, for a lifetime. Doesn't mean you're going to be stepping into a game and uh, really ready to perform at uh, game speed, and certainly against some of the stronger uh, teams that we started out the season with. So it's a building process, and uh, as long as he keeps progressing and uh, getting better. Um, I think the you know the upside the potential is huge for him. Yeah, you know, and, and when we've seen him thus far, you know, do what he's done. I mean, in the last two weeks, uh, Syracuse a victory over Western Michigan and a victory over Holy Cross. He has eight passing touchdowns to one interception. Uh, just a, a bad, you know, ill-advised pass toward the end of the game against Holy Cross. But eight touchdowns, one interception, nine touchdowns total with a rushing touchdown that he had against Western Michigan. What have you seen out of him in the most recent at this point, these last couple games? I know they're not Clemson. I know it's an FCS team in Holy Cross and Western Michigan, which is no slouch in the MAC and obviously a good team led by Tim Lester. But, you know, what have been your takeaways most recently? Is he improving? Are you seeing positive change, you know, from a quarterback to a quarterback? What's been kind of maybe your analysis at this point? Yeah, I think uh... – Definitely seeing some improvement. I was at that Western Michigan game, and uh, you know, he was putting uh, the ball on the money. I think he had, may have – I'm trying to remember if there was a dropped uh, 
deep ball there where it could have been another touchdown. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, I think he's most most assuredly improving, um, probably getting a little more comfortable. And uh, that's good. They're going to get into the meat of the schedule now. Where they're going to be playing a little bit better competition. Um, but I think he's you know, certainly had the opportunity to grow a bit, um, get into that game speed, and uh, start to really you know, hone his reactions and uh, get a little bit uh, crisper. So a little sharper, so I think uh, you're going to see some good things. As far as arm strength goes and, and, and just seeing his ability to get the ball down the field, you know you know the mechanics of the position. What do you see from from you know Tommy DeVito's arm and, and just what your takeaways have been from you know the, the true the true passer side of things, just what you've seen from that? Yeah, no, I think uh, accuracy, uh, arm strength is good. He's able to get the ball down the field and I see him over the course of even last year and this year, really be able to put uh, you know, some deep balls on the money, which uh, sometimes that's a, a challenge for some quarterbacks. Just don't have that touch, but I, I think he does. So um, I think there's going to be you know a, a good upside potential for us. That coming from Syracuse quarterback alum Todd Philcox this morning on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora. We're inside of the Charney's menswear in tuxedo studios 3150 erie boulevard east in syracuse new york i want to thank everybody that's watching and listening facebook live as well as on mixlr.com backslash wake up call dt i want to thank all the former syracuse players that tune in including <clears throat> the nathan trouts the kyle <clears throat> mcintoshes and the kylan whitners of the world definitely appreciate you all and todd to keep with with the quarterbacks eric dungy obviously finished up his eligibility last year and had an opportunity with the Giants, was uh, was called in, and Tim Lester and I spoke about it this past Friday, that he was called in to work out with the Cleveland Browns. He was also asked to be in the pool for the XFL, which will be coming us in 2020. Are you surprised that with all the injuries and all the things going on at the quarterback position in the NFL, that Eric Dungy has not gotten a phone call? Just maybe what your takeaway is from that, that he's worked out with some of these teams, but that it's not gone any further knowing that there are a lot of teams out there that need help and it's kind of dwindling away just like it did you know over these past couple seasons that you know a lot of these teams don't have a a great backup quarterback or you know they're in a situation like the Jets where they're scrounging for you know scraps at this point to try and figure out their quarterback situation are you surprised that Eric Dungy isn't on a team at this point? I am. Yeah, I think we had spoken last year while he was still playing about his prospects, and I felt uh, pretty strongly that he would get an opportunity and be on a roster and uh, you know be a guy who was uh, a backup or at least uh, aspiring towards that position and, and get some opportunities. Um, so I, I'm a bit surprised. I think he uh, he possesses a lot of the skills and uh, talents, and then that game experience that you look for. Um, he's got size. He's uh, Certainly, a guy who can move around a bit and uh, make plays. So, I would think he'd be a, uh, a a guy who should be on a roster somewhere. And I'm surprised he's not. And, you know, and, and and sometimes it's it's come down to you know what people what what the speculation is. You know, some people think it's it's because of the concussions because. You know, you know, there was so much focus on his injuries or how he runs the ball and puts his body on the line. At the same time, that's what made him such a special player in, in, is how he played the game and the dog in him and, and that you can't take the dog out of the player. 
And, you know, obviously his final season showed, you know, the culmination of him just being healthy and being good and being well and finding success and, you know, doing what he did and, and, and just, you know, that all coming to a head in the Camping World Bowl and a victory for Syracuse and Dungy there. So, I mean, how do you look at it? I mean, as a former quarterback, he puts his body on the line, but at the same time, you know, I think I spoke with his family and his mother, Cindy, about it. She said, so many people in the media spent so much time talking about my son's injuries, but they never talked about how he always bounced back. And, you know, that's something that, that, that I've spoken to on the show. I mean, this man, this man could have every limb ripped off his body and he'd stitch them all back up and go back out there and play the game. I mean, that's just who he is. So just what you can say about, you know, that side of it, that there's a focus on the injuries, but not a focus on the fact that pretty much every player that's played the sport of football has been hurt at some point. Dungy has a resolve and a want to that, you know, you can't really find in a lot of people. He never quits. And I think that that's something that should be stated. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that level of toughness that he exhibited uh, throughout the years at Syracuse, um, Personally, I, I certainly would think that would be an attribute teams are looking for. Um, you know, you get to the NFL, there's going to be a, you're talking about different game plans, different uh, manners of uh, running offenses um, where the quarterback, you know, isn't going to be asked to uh, put his body on the line to the extent that uh, Eric had done so at Syracuse. So I would, would expect that a team would see a guy who played excuse me, played through injury, uh, came back from injury and, uh, never really let it keep him down and, uh, use that as a, as a positive towards you know, getting them on a roster. So, uh, I, I don't think that, uh, I'm not aware of I don't know how many concussions he had. And when you mentioned that issue, that's certainly something teams might be a little bit more leery, uh, leery of. Yeah. Um, but you know, other than that, uh, Seems like physically he still has the ability to do everything he needed to do to play the position. So I, I would think that would not be something that would hold him back too much. Yeah, no, and you know, and I, and I, and again, you know, this is a guy who's worked on his arm strength, was on the West Coast, you know, working on getting better and becoming, you know, a, a better passer and working on his mechanics and everything. I mean, this is somebody who's constantly working and, and working and trying to get there and his family has been extremely supportive they did a, a show with me called project dungy which is a three-part series and he was a part of it as well and you know he's he's just a tremendous kid that works really hard and i think that you know what the nfl needs what you know what uh, a broadcast booth needs what you know a, a cockpit of a plane needs or a, or a classroom with a teacher needs are people that have desire and passion and love. He has talent, but so many people have talent that they don't channel into, you know, a concise kind of direction. He is an extremely talented person who is a very caring person, a very hardworking person, a very humble person, and somebody who doesn't make excuses. And that's why, you know, I, I spent some time this morning speaking with a former Syracuse quarterback in yourself on a guy like Eric Dungia, another former quarterback, because of the fact that there's one thing to have talent. It's another thing to have drive and desire and passion and love. And so, you know, I'm always going to be a proponent for seeing people like Eric succeed because he goes so far beyond talent. And he's one of those representations that if your kid was watching him and watching how he goes about his business and how hard he works and how he doesn't make excuses, he's also a good role model as well. Yep. I've uh, 
seen nothing but positives. Uh, you know, I haven't been as in touch with the program as yourself or those around Syracuse, but uh, everything I've ever seen, I know about Eric is positive and toughness and uh, just an extreme uh, effort level. That uh, those are the things you can't, you know, you can't coach, and uh, sometimes you don't find and. Uh, even top athletes who may uh, may not be willing to put themselves on the line in that way. So, I would hope he uh, is able to stick with it and get that you know opportunity. And really, it just takes that that one opportunity, that one uh, coach that kind of sees what they're looking for in in you as a quarterback or as a player. And uh, once once you're able to, and once he's able to kind of break through that door, I think uh, he will have success. Absolutely, and, and I hope for the opportunity for that to come up sooner than later. We're here with Todd Philcox this morning, former quarterback of the Syracuse Orange. And, and Todd, you know, to, to switch gears from Syracuse and head to the professional side of things, you know, you have your company, Salty Charters of Jacksonville, uh, fishing charters in Jacksonville, Florida. And so you have a connection to that area. You obviously are, you know, watching that team and, and watching the Jaguars. You, you and I have a unique relationship in the fact that I cover Syracuse and I cover Jacksonville and you're connected to Syracuse and Jacksonville as well. So, you know, you, you make the conversation branch out in, into areas that we definitely want to go to here on the show in a very seamless way. So, you know, with that being said, being in the community of Jacksonville and having your company, before we talk about the Jaguars, I wanted to kind of just show some love for, you know, what you do. So speak with us on Salty Charters of Jacksonville and why you're in that community, what you love about the community, because it's it's obviously a community I appreciate as well. Yeah, well, I was uh, you know obviously fortunate when I was playing football to uh, kind of be introduced to Jacksonville and uh, was here uh, back in 1996 and into the 97 season, back in the beginning of the franchise, and just uh, found a uh, community here and uh, that really had everything I uh, enjoy and uh, love to be a part of. Uh, both an NFL town, but then also, uh, you know, Florida had a beach town and uh, being on the water. And uh, you know, I grew up around the water up in the Connecticut, uh, kind of Long Island Sound area. And it's just been one of my passions forever is to be on the water, enjoy fishing, get people out fishing. And uh, it's just a whole, uh, you know, different, whole different feeling when you get on a boat and get out there and you kind of escape uh, the, the traffic and uh, real life and all those other things. So. Uh, it's what I do now for a living, get out and take people out fishing and enjoy time on the water and uh, introduce them to it and hopefully show them a good time. And uh, Jacksonville's been a great place for me to do that and uh, start that business. And this is going to be a place that, uh, you know, some people have to retire to a certain place. I don't plan on having to retire and, uh, and leave from here. It's an area that uh, I plan to probably spend the rest of my life. You know, and, and, and for that, you know, for you to, to be in this community, and like you said, you know, you plan to plan to be there for the rest of your life and plan to have that. When you have a salty the salty charters of Jacksonville and take people out on these uh, fishing charters, how much of it is, you know, kind of people coming in, vacationing or maybe new to the area, and then how much of it is, is there, you know, within the community and kind of homegrown? I mean, when you look at your business, and I always – find it interesting to talk with people about their businesses as a, as a fellow business owner, what's it like for you and, and what's kind of the, the, the percentages of people that are coming in that want to go on a charter a, a, as opposed to the people in the community that are living within the community of Jacksonville and the surrounding areas that, that come out for your charters as well? Yeah, I'm, uh, you know, it's a good mix. I would, uh, 
probably say I'm getting about maybe 40% uh, kind of travelers, people visiting uh, the Jacksonville area, and about 60% of uh, locals here. And then a number of those are kind of repeat customers who uh, you know, enjoy getting out on the water. But uh, many people either used to have their own boat and just uh, didn't want to deal with the hassle anymore, or, or maybe they're looking towards having a boat and uh, want to uh, get a little guidance on exactly what to do on the water around here and learn learn the waterways and uh, how to be successful fishing and uh, you know how to make it a little bit more enjoyable. So it's a nice mix. Uh, we're we're an area that gets uh, pretty good, you know, tourism uh, kind of starting around that uh, spring break March time of the year all the way through the summer. Um, so that's certainly beneficial to my business and. Um, you know, it seems to be a, we're in an area here that's growing uh, dramatically as far as uh, its population, people moving in, and you know the uh, areas, new home, housing developments, things like that popping up all over the place. So yeah, it's a great place to be uh, having a business, and uh, you know we're we're in a good area to uh, grow and develop that. So you know, for you, you know, business business is good, business is exciting. Obviously, you have a passion for it. I always talk about waking up and doing what you love. And if you are listening to my show this morning or, or any morning or afternoon or night and you don't, you know, you're not doing what you love, you know, I, I hope that that changes for people because, you know, I say we get the people that are doing what they love and they, you know, they love their job and they love their life and they love their, their marriage and their kids and this, that, and the other. And they wake up in the morning with a smile on their face and they listen to the show. But then I get those other people that are miserable and they're sad and they settled in this and they settled in that and they don't like their job. And, you know, and, and, and I said, I'm there for you too, but you know, I, it's not good enough for me to live my dreams. I want everybody to. So do you feel like you're, you're, you're living your dreams? Do you feel like you wake up every morning and you just get to do something fun and exciting and, and, you know, kind of always stay a kid in that sense? Do you get that from this? I do. Absolutely. You know, it's something, um, just turned 53 last week and uh congratulations i, st- I still thank you and yeah. i still get the uh you know, enjoyment uh still anytime i get out in the water and uh just you know i kind of take a deep breath and look around and uh, say man i'm uh, pretty lucky to be doing this so i uh, feel very fortunate to be able to make it a business and to uh you know get up and uh, do it four or five six times a week and uh it's something that uh I enjoy always, you know, certainly uh, try to do my best to make sure everybody comes aboard, enjoys it as well. Some days are easy and some <laughs> days are easier, but uh, never, never really have a bad day out there. What made you want to do this? I mean, obviously you have to have a passion for it, but what else was it that, you know, of any business you could do, you chose to, to have a fishing business, fishing charter, to be out on the water. What was it about you know, the water and, and that experience that, that made you want to share that with other people? Well, I mean, it's just it's growing up uh, kind of in that environment, being very fortunate as a child to uh, you know, have a dad and a grandfather that would take you out, you know, get on the water and uh, have those experiences, learn uh, really everything about, uh, you know, boating, fishing, all that stuff. And then, uh, you know, realizing that uh, you could make it a business and uh, be able to, you know, kind of enjoy that uh, on a daily basis. It's just something that uh, was an opportunity I couldn't pass up. And, uh, you know, it's a tough business to get going. It's uh, I, I worked a sales job probably for the first six, seven years I was doing it on the side just while I was, while I was working to build that business. And 
now about the last four years I've been able to do it full time. So it's not not easy to get going, but uh, then again, most of the things that uh, you like to do and uh, you want to do maybe aren't the easiest things to do. But if you kind of make a plan and uh, just try to keep progressing and uh, keep improving upon it, then uh, you can make it work out. Yeah, you know, and, and you speak to that, you know, having that other job on the side that, that you that you do, you know, you make some money while you're building up your business. And I can totally understand that. I'm sure other people around this country and around the world can understand that I'm living my dreams, but I'm, you know, over here doing some other stuff until I can do that. I mean, and that's the steady building. And I think we live in a society that whether it's a sports team, whether it's Syracuse this season or it's Jacksonville or, or it's my company or your company or whatever it may be, Todd, that people want in the society we live in today, they want instantaneous gratification. They want to say in their brain, oh, I had this idea for a business. And then they wake up tomorrow morning and they have a million dollars and a Maserati and life is good. But that's not how it works. So just to speak to that, that there is a process of like you, like me, like a ton of other people out there where you are living your dream while you're doing another job to fund that dream until you can eventually have that dream fund itself. That takes time. Yeah, it does. And, uh, you know, there's, there's people who uh, have reached immense success quickly. Um, and really it's a matter, you know, trying to be in the right place at the right time and give the uh, maximum effort. But uh, you can't do it without the effort. Um, and that's the, uh, sometimes that effort may take a couple of years. Sometimes it might take uh, longer, five years, 10 years. But uh, if you're on the right track and uh, you put the effort in, it'll work out. And uh, speaking here once again with Todd Philcox, former Syracuse quarterback and the owner of Salty Charters of Jacksonville down in Jacksonville, Florida, speaking on the Jaguars as well as Syracuse and so much more. Uh, Todd, I don't know how how much you're connected with the Marvel world or, or those movies or anything like that, but you just said maximum effort. And one of the guys that brings up Jacksonville, Florida in his movies a lot is Deadpool. I mean, have you seen the Deadpool movies with Ryan Reynolds? Do you know that he talks about Jacksonville, Florida? Um, no, I'm, I'm lost on that subject. <laughs> okay. I, I I'm not sure who you're talking about or what, so <laughs> sorry I, there. No, that's all right. I'm just, I just think it's funny that <clears throat> Jacksonville gets some shout-outs, but to shout them out for the victory, uh, 26-24 on the road over the Denver Broncos, what was your takeaway uh, from from this game? I mean, Gardner Minshew, once again, I mean, this is, I, I want to, I, I cannot overstate this, he is a rookie quarterback. He is a backup quarterback. He is not a first-round, second-round, third-round quarterback choice. I want to let people know that as well. I mean, Jacksonville, I think he was a sixth-rounder, and then Tanner Lee recently was also a sixth-rounder. This is a late quarterback draft pick to put somebody behind Nick Foles, and Nick Foles getting paid four years, $88 million. Could be $100 million when all's said and done. Gardner Minshew comes in. You barely got to pay anything for him. He was at East Carolina. I covered him there. He went off to Washington State for a season and was doing all kinds of amazing things in the Pac-12 and beyond. Now, as the quarterback of the Jaguars, he stepped in in week one. The team is currently 2-2, two and two, and he just led his first ever comeback victory. Probably would have been his second comeback victory if they had been successful on that two-point conversion or if they had gone into overtime at Houston. So Gardner Minshew is doing some tremendous work from the quarterback seat once again, Todd. What, what's your takeaway from, from Gardner and the fact that this rookie 
quarterback who was a backup who cost almost nothing to put on the team has now led a comeback victory, could have been his second one, and now the team's two and two. Yeah, very, very impressive. Um, you know, just seeing him uh, in the last few weeks here, um, what, what really uh, catches my eye is that he just seems to he seems to see the field well, be very comfortable, um, can avoid the rush, and uh, always you know, has his eyes downfield and can find the open receiver. And uh, you know that aspect of really having the the feel and the ability to see the whole field. And uh, you'll find those open receivers. That's what uh, is probably the hardest thing, you know, at the position, especially when you're just you know, getting into your first game action. Um, you know, many times you'll see a lot of these young quarterbacks are just, uh, you know, throwing the ball out in the flat, hitting the first thing that flashes in front of their eyes, and not really being able to see the whole field and make the proper reads. And uh, it certainly appears to me that. He's just got a, a feel for the game, the ability to read defenses, and uh, is, is delivering the ball to the right places. You know, and and that's the thing is, you know, he just seems to know this position all too well. And you know, with backup quarterbacks in the NFL, the expectation, you know, is not that high. A lot of teams think that they're going to continue to lose or struggle and whatnot. I mean, there was the Carson Wentz, Nick Foles situation, but outside of that of recent history, there really wasn't any backup quarterback stepping in that was doing anything tremendous all the way back to, you know, really when Tom Brady stepped in for an injured Drew Bledsoe and took over from there. And he was a sixth round pick as well, a compensatory pick. So, you know, here's Gardner Minshew. The team is, is two and two. What's your thoughts on, on Nick Foles? I mean, this is a very expensive player that's, you know, played a quarter for the Jaguars, but Gardner Minshew is the guy that's getting it done. I know we're only four games in, but, you know, if Gardner continues to impress and this team becomes a, a potential playoff team, what's your thought on the Nick Foles situation where they just spent a lot of money, over $20 million a year, to bring the guy in? Yeah, I mean, that uh, certainly could become interesting. Uh, yeah. You know, we're down the road there a bit, and I was, you know, I was very happy when the Jaguars uh, signed Nick Foles because I really did feel that they, uh, you know, they got some talent on this team and just uh, really needed to get a capable quarterback in there. And uh, I was very excited to see uh, Nick Foles play. Uh, unfortunately, that didn't last too long and, uh, you know, no fault of his own. And injuries happen and uh, something you can't really, unfortunately, avoid. Um, so it'll be interesting to see. I mean, uh, we can see if he can continue this pace and continue to play and they're going to have to make a decision and certainly they're not going to need to to rush Foles back if uh, Minshew continues to, you know, produce and uh, bring some victories home. So it'll it'll make for an interesting situation. Uh, I'm not sure what the, the organization will do. I know Foles has pretty much got a guaranteed contract for at least a couple of years. Yeah. So he'll be around. Yeah, and that's the thing. I mean, if Gardner Minshew continues to win and this team goes to the playoffs or, you know, let's say they at least finish, you know, 7-9, and 8-8, and eight, we got a quarterback battle between a quarterback that costs peanuts and a quarterback that, you know, <laughs> that costs a couple gold nuggets. And that's going to make things interesting as we set up in the future. Yes, for sure. That coming from Todd Philcox here this morning. Todd, before I, I let you go, Jalen Ramsey, uh, you're down in the Jacksonville area. You hear all the chatter. You know, obviously, you, you know, you can see it in the newspaper. You can see it on television. You can hear it on the radio. There's a lot of things going on down in Jacksonville. There's a, a lot of, you know, obviously, 
confusion and, and people that are undoubtedly upset and, you know, kind of all over the spectrum. What's life like down in Jacksonville with the Jalen Ramsey saga, I guess we'll call it? Uh, well, certainly a bit of a circus there. Um, it's unfortunate uh, that it has to be happening now during the season, you know, while the team's trying to get things going. Yeah. Um, I think you got to, you know, with Jalen, unfortunately, I think you got a maturity issue. Um, I think really a, a guy who uh, doesn't understand the team aspect of the game. Um, and I, you know, I certainly understand uh, the part that uh, this, this game is a business and, you know, a player certainly has to promote themselves as a business and your career is not guaranteed for really any farther than the next game. So I, I understand the business aspects and the money aspects, but you got to handle it correctly. And uh, I, I don't think he has. I don't think he's getting any good advice. I don't know who his agent is, but uh, I, I don't think he's doing a good job. Um, somebody's got to get in. You know, it's. I think it's too late now, unfortunately. But I would have said a year ago somebody had to get in his ear and, and straighten him out because, you know, prior to the uh, 2018 season, I think he, quite frankly, uh, made a lot of incredibly immature mistakes. Didn't really have a. I don't think a very good season. Um, was off the, you know, wasn't on the same page, was blowing coverages and giving up touchdowns and, uh, you know, just spent more time uh, talking than uh, really studying the defensive schemes and being prepared. And uh, I think there, there should have been an opportunity for him to step back and, and realize that he needs to focus on the game and, uh, and his part of the defense and uh, being productive and, and playing the correct schemes. And I don't think that happened. Um, you know, he's never consistently shown up uh, in the off season when uh, the rest of the team's here working. He's not here, and I think that's yeah. evidently, you know, just kind of shows an aspect where he's not really a team player. And uh, this uh, trade request and all the things going on now is uh, just further confirmation of that. And I think in the, in the long run, I think he's cost himself money. To be honest with you. Um, he was a guy who's got all the physical talent in the world and uh, would have commanded, you know, about the highest paycheck that a cornerback uh, could earn. Um, but this off the field uh, circus is going to cost him money in the long run. Yeah, well, and that's the thing that's come up. And I spoke with, you know, your former running back, Rob Drummond, about it after the Syracuse victory over Holy Cross when we were at the Wildcat Sports Pub here in Camillus, New York for the postgame show. You know, we were, we were discussing, you know, that Jalen Ramsey has hurt his stock and hurt maybe what the Jaguars can get for him. I, I think, you know, his talent is worth an, an, two number ones, you know, a 2020 number one, a 2021 number one, or a one, a two, and a player, or, you know, some type of cash that's in there, but definitely at least one first-round pick. So, you know, but, but because of what he's done, you know, and because of how he's acted and because the league is looking at the Antonio Brown situation and they're looking at the Melvin Gordon situation and there was the woes of the Le'Veon Bell situation and the Telvin Smith situation that, you know, people don't really want to deal with this. And I commend the league for actually not wanting to have to put up with the BS. The Antonio Brown situation was by far crazy. And I've, I've likened Jalen Ramsey's antics to Antonio Brown at times because it's so self-loathing and, and self you know self-centric and and it's all about me and and it doesn't matter about the team 
So, you know, it's, I, I feel that this situation has gotten to a point where, you know, what do we hear this week? Jalen Ramsey was sick. Then all of a sudden, two days later, he wasn't sick. It was a back injury. Then he had to go home to Tennessee for the birth of his daughter. Then he might play. Then he traveled with the team to Denver. But then he wasn't going to be playing because he, the phantom back injury came back. I mean, as a fan of the sport and as a former player, are you kind of sick of, of stuff like that, you know, where you see on the injury report that it's a back injury, but then he was home for his kid, but then there was an illness? I mean, to, to, to me, it just seems kind of ridiculous to... You know, if you're the Jaguars organization or if you're Ramsey or whoever's involved or if you're the agent to put out, I mean, one of these had to be, you know, one of something feels fabricated when, you know, he's sick and then it's a back and then, you know, Doug Marone's going, I didn't know he had a back injury till this morning. It just seems like a, a ridiculous, as you said, circus to have to see all these things of why he's not playing instead of just coming out and saying, obviously, you all know that he's upset. And we can't figure out this trade thing. So, that, I mean, they can't say that, but they. I also feel like, you know, putting that he has a back injury is kind of ridiculous. Yep. It's just further confirmation that it, uh, it is a bit of a circus. And, uh, you know, the aspect, uh, once again, it's not a, a team focus, but a, but an individual focus. And, uh, like I said, still, you know, you mentioned that Antonio Brown, uh, that circus. And uh, I think if that hadn't occurred, um, you know, Jalen Ramsey would probably be in a better position to find another team uh, and get top dollar. Uh, but I think that I think that uh, whole experience there with a couple teams um, really, you know, stepping, uh, t- making the wrong decisions and kind of stepping in it and uh, is going to certainly make general managers a bit more wary about uh, players who are willing to kind of go this route. And uh, you know, it's gonna, it's going to cost them money, quite frankly. Are you surprised as a former player and somebody who obviously, you know, fought for a job? I mean, you come out of, it's tough enough to make it in college. It's even tougher to make it in the NFL or in professional football in general. Are you looking at these situations where, you know, we now have guys that are signing contracts, agreeing to contracts, and with three years left on a contract like Antonio Brown or Telvin Smith or Jalen Ramsey, who's still under a contract as the team, you know, picked up an option on him. Are you surprised that, you know, guys are now saying with their contracts that they fight so hard for that the contract almost doesn't matter? And, you know, it it seems almost instantaneous that after they sign it, they are like, okay, well, you know, I, I feel like I deserve more money or I know I signed it for three more years, but I want you to trade me or else I'm going to sit here and I'm not going to play. I, I, you know how hard it is to make it in the sport of football. So is that kind of maybe blasphemous to, to football that we have these players that fight for contracts, they get contracts, so they're under contracts, and they just decide, I'm not going to do it. I mean, if, 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 if a pen on the dotted line doesn't mean anything, then where are we as a society, I guess is what I'm saying. Well, that aspect, um, you know, unfortunately – contract a contract in the nfl uh the teams don't have to hold up their end either so that part i mean i don't argue with a player who uh you know whatever say you've made the pro bowl and you've got a number of years left and uh you know you're the lowest paid uh, guy at your position um i don't have a problem with that guy um holding out and uh you know 
trying to you know, promote himself as a business because the, uh, the teams can tear up a contract anytime they want. Um, so that's the aspect of, you know, players need to try to get as much guaranteed money and signing bonuses or anything else as they can, because the rest of the contract essentially is, uh, you know, toilet paper to an NFL team. They can tear it up at any time they want to. Um, so that part of it, I don't think people understand. Um, so the that's, that's been that way. And, you know, quite frankly, players in the union have been fighting to, you know, improve the amount of guaranteed money and, and signing bonus money because that's the only thing that a team really has to pay in a contract. Yeah. But I think there's certainly a way you got to go about things in life, you know. And uh, you know, it's, you know, if you've decided that you're not going to play under that contract, then you just have to, you know, be very clear and say, you know, I'm holding out and uh, I want a new contract. Kind of like, uh, you know, Ezekiel uh, did down in Dallas. He was. Uh, he told him what he was going to do, and he wasn't showing up, and they ended up getting it done. Yeah. Um, and the team doesn't have to. I mean, that's uh, this is America, and if uh, you know the team decides they're not willing to pay that, and I could certainly see many instances when they probably shouldn't. Um, you know, certain some positions just don't have the longevity, like running back, or you certainly understand why uh, a team like the Steelers may not be willing to sign a long-term deal with Le'Veon Bell or other situations. Um, yeah. It, that's a, a business from their end as well, but it's just a matter of how you handle yourself and doing it. You know, it's uh, if you're upfront and clear, and you say this is uh, this is what I'm willing to do, and if uh, you know we can meet somewhere and uh, agree to it, you know, I'll, I'll be there. Um, and then, you know, I think you have to. Obviously, you can't do it every year. Uh, there's another aspect to that, but um, it's a business, and uh, you know, players with injuries and things like that, their careers are limited and they're not going to, you know, they may, like I said, they may play one year, they may be able to play more, uh, but there's no guarantee. So they've got to you know, try to uh, maximize their earnings uh, whenever they can. Yeah, absolutely. And, and in closing here with Todd Philcox, former Syracuse quarterback and, and someone uh, down in Jacksonville, Florida, and, and in the thick of things, we've seen essentially Telvin Smith and Jalen Ramsey hold the Jaguars hostage. You know, Telvin uh, allegedly did not tell Doug Marone that he was not playing this season with three years left on his contract, including this season, $10 million a year. He put it on Instagram and said that he had personal stuff going on. Now, we still don't know what that is, and that's obviously, you know, his right to keep that to himself and not have to talk about that, but he waited until after the draft and after free agency started, so the Jaguars really had slim pickings of any way to help their team in that respect, and now with Jalen Ramsey, it seems like a done deal that he's going to have to go at some point if he's not going to want to play. So, you know, just just you know, being uh, once again in that community, you're seeing not one, but a couple players do this, and Yannick Ngakwe, you know, he wants a new contract, and he held out for a little while, but eventually came to camp. But Jalen Ramsey has brought up the fact that he wants him to get paid. So he's pushing the envelope on that as well. I, I, I mean, just and what you can say about, I mean, this Jaguars defense came into last season, arguably the number one defense in the country, and had a terrible season. And now, you know, two of those guys are holding the team hostage. And the team is winning without them. But at the same time, you know, imagine what they could be with them. Just how you look at it from being a community guy and in do you know in Duval County, I mean, it, it just seems that this statement that Telvin and Jalen are making is you want them to get their money, you want them to have their future, 
but they're also holding their team hostage and affecting their team in a negative way. So how do you how do you balance it and how do you how do you find peace in this because i know a lot of people have an opinion down in jacksonville yeah i'm not sure you know i first i think the situations are quite different i I still don't have any idea what the telvin smith situation is and i guess none of us really do yeah i don't in my opinion i don't think that's money i think there's a there's some other issue going on um you know, and otherwise, you know, like I said, you know, with the, with the Jalen Ramsey situation, he's just, uh, unfortunately, I think it's more a maturity issue uh, and bad guidance uh, from whoever is, uh, if, if anyone's providing him any guidance. Um, yeah, and it's, uh, I certainly think the team has suffered. You know, it's, uh, it's, it's been a challenge here, and, you know, I think they suffered last year because they, they kind of got a little too full of themselves, and uh really forgot uh, how they got to the success level they did. Um, took a big step back last year and uh, certainly had some higher hopes this year coming to the season, but there's been, you know, continued drama. Um, and really, the defense hasn't gotten uh, gotten it going yet. Hopefully they can. I know uh, a week ago they were a little stronger, and uh, this week, you know, had some troubles, but uh, did enough to, enough to win the game. Um, so we'll see what happens. Uh, you know, hopefully we get through this. I think just the, the fact that they are two and two, and they've been able to, you know, navigate around so many issues that happened so early between uh, the Foles injury and uh, and some of the other drama going on. I think it's a good sign, and uh, if they can continue to build on it um, and get some more wins, then uh, maybe uh, maybe all that stuff will die off a little bit. Well, yeah, and I and I've said this before, and Papa Joe, who joins us every. Thursday, who's down in the uh, in the area in St. Augustine and, and connected, you know, obviously watching the Jaguars and being a part of the community and, and a great football mind in my life to the point where I wanted to get him on the show. You know, him and I were talking about it and I said, this is a great PR move to get everybody off of Jalen Ramsey, especially now with the comeback victory. He said, get everybody, you know, mustaches, you know, fake mustaches and headbands. And I said, just just lean on the Gardner Minshew thing. And if they start leaning on the Minshew thing, Ramsey's a child. Ramsey needs attention. He's the kid in the back of the class saying, look at me, look at me, look at me. If everybody shifts over to the positive, good-feeling, kind-hearted Gardner Minshew, it might end up making Jalen stay because he wants attention, or at least it's going to take the attention off of the negative side of things. So I think public relations-wise, they need to just really feed into this Minshew thing, and eventually it's going to make Jalen fade away. And we all know that when Jalen doesn't have everybody's attention, he's more apt to maybe come to the table and have dinner instead of sitting and throwing mashed potatoes at the wall. Let's hope. Yeah, let's hope. So with that being said, Todd Philcox, as always, appreciate you being here. And I want to let everybody know that you can go to uh, SaltyChartersJax.com. That's SaltyChartersJax.com for Salty Charters of Jacksonville. When you go down to Florida, go and spend some time with Todd and have some fun. Whether you have ever been out fishing or not, given you know given opportunity to go out on the water and enjoy the weather so with that being said todd you know take care please be safe and, and i know you'll be back on the show soon hey thank you dan appreciate the time and uh, go orange and go jaguars all right man talk to you soon thank you